Our guest today on the Apple Sox podcast is Rob Nyer. You might know him for his baseball writing. Of course, he wrote for ESPN for a long time, as well as SB Nation and Fox Sports. He's also written or co-authored eight books in his time. But you also might know him as the commissioner of the West Coast League. He joined in 2018, and we will be back again for this 2022 season. And he's our guest today on the Wenatchee Apple Sox podcast. And Rob, thank you for spending a little bit of time with us as we try to look at some changes for this 2022 West Coast League season. Joel, it's always my pleasure to speak with you. Rob, let's uh, let's get started here and let's talk about, first off, the addition of some new teams. Um, expansion tends to come every few years. Of course, unfortunately, last year was kind of a subtracting year, uh, so to speak, with having a few of the Canadian teams out, not being able to add some of those expansion members we were hoping for. What excites you the most about these new teams, about each market joining the West Coast League in 2022? <laughs> well, I'm not sure if it's excitement or terror, Joel. Um, <laughs> it, it probably more excitement a little bit of it's actually probably more terror now than excitement uh, which will then transition into excitement when we're actually playing i think uh oh, it's i think it's natural to fear the unknown and i have a little bit of fear regarding going from 10 teams last season because of the pandemic uh, to 16 uh with expansion and of course the the loosening of the border. So I, I'm actually uh, anxious is probably the best word. It's going to be tremendously interesting to see a league with so many new teams and six more than we had just a year ago actually playing. I think what I'm most excited about personally is getting the opportunity to visit some places I've never been. I, I've never been to and specifically, I've never been to Kamloops, British Columbia, or Edmonton, Alberta. And one of the great pleasures of my job since day one has been visiting all the different cities and, and stadiums. And I, I'm sort of a travel nut, uh, love road trips and, and seeing new places, just walking around town and exploring new coffee shops and bookstores and things like that. So I, I'm really excited about seeing some, some new plates, some new cities. Yeah, I think it's it's an exciting opportunity for the league in general. It's funny how, you know, we go from no teams in Canada last year to suddenly having five teams up there. That, that's going to be an adventure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, kind of like you, I'm excited to see some of these new places as well. I remember going into last season, uh, the only place I hadn't been, because I joined like you in 2018, the only city I hadn't been was Ridgefield. That's still going to be the case this year, but all of a sudden you've got a few more places jumped in there as well. Uh, obviously really nice to add these Canadian cities back into the mix. Uh, Victoria and Kelowna have been longtime members uh, of the West Coast League. W- what do you think it does for the league's, not just its footprint, obviously, but its identity, having this many teams in Canada for the new year? The West Coast League is utterly unique in in professional sports, I, I think maybe I, I guess it's probably a minor hockey league, right? That's that's got this sort of international flavor. But in terms of baseball, there's just nothing else like it. And that was true even before we added the new Canadian teams. Uh, the the Northwoods League has one Canadian team, which I believe, by the way, is not playing this season again. Um, the American Association, I think, has a team in Canada or, or has had, and you know, there, there is a, a, a history in, in baseball of having some international play. 
uh, over the years. And of course, Major League Baseball still has the Blue Jays. But but in terms of almost a third of your league being in a different country um, or across the border, that's just, there's just no, nothing else like it. We also have, especially now, this was true even before um, Edmonton joined the league, but we have by far the biggest footprint, geographic footprint of any collegiate summer league. So it's just a different experience. And I think that one of the selling points when 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 players are thinking about where they want to spend their summer is, wow, I can have an experience in, in the Pacific Northwest that is just not available to, to in any other any other baseball league in, 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 in North America. So I just think that for those players with a bit of an adventurous spirit, there's nowhere nowhere better. Absolutely. So as we mentioned at the outset, with a few more teams, it's going to lead to expanded playoffs. You know, you jump from 10 to 16 teams, and I think the the obvious question that has been answered is with more teams or more playoff spots going to be granted, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Take me behind, because this was, you know, an owner's decision, obviously, to go from the combined four playoff spots overall, two from both divisions, to four for both divisions now is the incentive that you know with more teams we need to be granting more playoff spots to make the season almost more meaningful so to speak and to and to really honor teams who have solid years instead of just kind of leaving them on the outside looking in well i think that this was a process that lasted for some years we first started talking when i when i joined the league in 2018 we had as you know a perfectly traditional postseason format. The sort of format that's used in many minor leagues and collegiate summer leagues, I'm sure, around around the game. And that's fine. And there's a reason why people use the same system, because it works and it, it, it's, it seems fair to people and doesn't take up a ter- terribly long time uh, to finish. My, my personal um, nature, I think, just sort of leans toward experimentation and honestly what i would do if if i if i were you know some people think the commissioner has more power than he does i know you don't you know better yeah but (laughs) but um but if if i were if 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 my office gave me the power to do anything uh, i would come up with a new playoff format every year just just to see how what see what happened and maybe maybe you try three or four and you realize this one particular format is 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 a lot better than the others but you, you can never get to to you can never get to that point if you don't try some different things so i think since you know my first year i didn't i didn't become commissioner until the spring we we already knew what we were going to do for the playoffs but after that season i began pushing for at least considering a different a different system and i wasn't the only one but it's been important to me for, for years that we, we try something different um, just to give us a different look and give us some new ways to think about the playoffs. We had a new system that we were thinking about doing, and it might have even been much like this one. I don't think it was this exact system, the one we wound up with uh, two years ago, but then, of course, we lost our season, yeah. right? And then last year, we were down to 10 teams, so it didn't make a lot of sense to have six or eight teams in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> But having 16 teams gave us the opportunity to revisit our discussions of a few years ago. And I think there, was, there wasn't there was a uniformity of opinion or rationale for doing it the way we're doing it. But 
there was a, a consensus for experimentation and I think certainly for getting more teams into the playoffs, especially if, and here was the key I think for us was we don't just want more teams in the playoffs. We also want all of those playoff teams to get at least one home game. And, you know, frankly, not for the revenue piece necessarily, not because teams with one home game are going to all of a sudden turn their whole season around in terms of the financial angle. Um, But we, I think everyone wants to give the fans a chance to see their teams play a home game. Mm -hmm. So that was, I think the number one rationale. Once you decide to get more teams in and to get, everyone a home play, at least one home playoff game. Then the question is, okay, how do you do that without expanding the schedule? And as I think most of our fans are, are well aware, it's it can be really tough keeping your roster together in well into August because so many of these players, for one thing, it's a long it can be a long summer for them. We do have that big footprint. We do have some long bus trips. Um, but there are also a number of players who just need to get back to school or get back home. So then the question became, well, how do you do that? How do you accomplish this thing, more teams, home playoff games, without expanding the schedule? And the answer there was to turn that championship into a one into a one game uh, championship as opposed to the two best out of three, which is what we've, of course, always done before. And I, I think... Once you accept that possibility, then you can start thinking about how exciting it will be to have a single game determine the champion of the league. And I, I think it's great. I think it's a game that, a championship game that that we can really play up as opposed to a best of three. When we don't know for sure which game is going to determine the We know game one won't. Might be game two, might be game, who knows. But when you have that single game, two of the best teams in the league obviously will be there. Um, that's a game I think that you can promote your video streaming. Um, you can really bring all of your, 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 your promotional energy to that single game. So I, I like of all the things that we, that we, the formats that we considered over the years, this was probably the one that I would have chosen if it was just me getting to pick. Um, doesn't mean we'll all love it. And maybe next year, the year after we'll try something else. But I, I do think that, um, we've this is my favorite I'm, I'm really excited about how it how it turns out and just to clarify for fans the way it goes it's a three-game division series the singular game division championship and then a singular championship game for the league correct you know i'd have to check for some reason i was thinking it was best of three best of three and then one but you might well be right i think it was just the three one one if i'm remembering right <laughs> that was part of why i wanted to have you think this i would know that i'll know by august I promise <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Looking on on the website right now, that's how we'll be. It got. is on the web. It is on the website for people who are curious. <laughs> We're not complete fools, but <laughs> no. So it is. I just looked up. This is a three game divisional series: the singular division championship, and then a singular West Coast League championship game. Now you mentioned the, the drama of those last two games. I mean, those are going to be, if I'm not mistaken, those are back to back days too. So you're going to be crowning your division champions, and then the next day you're going to crown your West Coast League champion overall. Uh, it, was this something, the inspiration for those two games, was that maybe drawn from Major League Baseball's singular wild card games for the National League and American League? Was it something like that, that you you guys saw? I think that we all look to out into the world 
for things that can work. And I do think that I remember when, when MLB started doing that, and I thought, wow, well, if, if they can do it, why can't we? And I don't know how many, how many other people in the league had the same, had the same thought, but, but, but I certainly did. And I should mention those last two games, um, in particular, the championship game, the scheduling is sort of dependent on geography. Um, we, we would, everyone would love to compress the schedule as much as possible. Um, and you don't really have a, a, a marketing issue uh, with compressing it because, of course, nobody knows who's playing in that last game until right beforehand anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to, in some cases, worry about 12-hour bus rides, potentially. Um, Edmonton might be in the championship game. Well, good luck getting up there at, at a moment's notice, right, without paying an arm and a leg for, for, for plane tickets. So, And there will be flights, obviously, up to Edmonton. That's one of the wrinkles in our season. I, I don't know that there are any other collegiate summer leagues that, that fly. I don't think um, so. But our teams will be flying this season, some of them. Um, as you know. Um, but, um, yeah, we will the, – the goal will be, is, is to get as much exciting baseball into a very compressed schedule as we can so we can get these kids back home and, and back to their schools. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting because you are continuing using that first half and second half scheduling. And obviously when that was introduced before you and I joined the league. And the, you know, the purpose, what I've been told of that, was to keep the entire season competitive. That a team right. who struggles for the first half of the season but maybe doesn't get a lot of the guys they signed until, let's say, July, that they still have a chance in the second half. So that's still in place for the first half and second half division winners. Obviously, the number two seed is, you know, unless the first half team wins the second half as well, the number two seed of your division is going to go to the next best record overall. And, again, the tiebreaker will be next best record overall if the first half wins the second half, if you don't have a second half division winner. So the three and four spots are really the new ones that are being added in. And I believe those ones are going, that's based on overall records, correct? That's not involving first half, second half, is it? That's right. Okay. That's right. No, it, yeah, it completely, it completely uh, rewards teams that, that were there over the course of the season. One of the things that I sort of pitched uh, was, uh, and it was, it was just a little too much for everybody to wrap their brains around, I think, and I'm not even sure how well it would work, but again, I mentioned experimentation. I, I sort of intrigued by the idea of, of awarding playoff spots to teams that maybe didn't have a great season, but finished really well the last week or two of the season, not week, but two weeks Um, sort of, I think they do something like that in NASCAR, right? With a, Mm -hmm. with a sprint uh, format at the end, at the end of the the racing season. So there, there, again, there are a million ways you could do this and I'd love to try every one of them. (laughs) No, absolutely. What are some, what are some of the biggest strengths of this schedule? And then I'll ask you after about the weaknesses. You know, what are some of the strengths of this playoff schedule? You think it's high drama and a quick span in a lot of ways? Is that the biggest thing you look at is the strength of it? Well, again, I think, yeah, I think for the two, the two, I could probably, there's probably a list of five or six things that this accomplishes. I think the, 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 the three that, that were the most important were getting more teams home playoff games, playing, the whole play, not expanding the, the 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 schedule essentially. We basically wanted to take whatever we did. We wanted to fit in the same calendar that we've had in the past, with only um, two rounds of playoffs, and and then that that last that championship game, that single championship game, which I again I hope 
we can turn into something of an event. Um, and, you know, obviously we would stream all our games anyway, but we, we would hope that we could turn this into a bit more of an event than we've ever had before on our, whatever streaming service we're on. What potential weaknesses then do you see? Well, I think that the things that, the one thing that we I worry about a little bit is that um, because of our geographic footprint, there are some playoff matchups that could be really difficult travel-wise, um, especially in that actually first series when you're trying to play all three games potentially in three days. Yeah. And I don't remember if we wrote this into the, the, the presentation that's on the website, but my memory is that internally at least we have given the commissioner the ability to switch a matchup if the travel just isn't going to work. Um, you know, the odds are against that happening, but it is there are one or two uh, potential combinations for that first round that could just be really difficult. I might have to say, you know what, instead of one playing four, one's going to play three and two's going to play four. And it's Again, it's unlikely, but you sort of have to try to think ahead for, with these things. And you can't you just can't imagine everything that could happen. You know, the only way you could probably figure it out is if you went back and did an exhaustive survey of every single postseason uh, um, series in, in in baseball history. And I haven't done that study, Joel. I don't know if you've got some free time. Maybe you would be the, the right person for that. <laughs> but I have not done that. So I, I'm sure there are some things that could happen that you just haven't thought about. But we did think about the travel, and we did give us ourselves a little wiggle room there i think inevitably when you have especially a short series and look in in professional baseball or in major league baseball a best of three is considered a short series right for us it's a standard series or or now really a longer series because it's that first series it's the longest and that's unorthodox that's usually it's the other way around right the early ones are short the later ones are long and of course the rationale for that is there's a the idea, of course, with, with let's just take Major League Baseball as an example, that the deeper you get, the more important the series is, the longer the series is, the better chance you have of finding the best team, right? So that should be a longer series. You know, mathematically, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. It it does, but I know when people were complaining, how can we just play a, uh, a, a, a single game to determine something as opposed to a best of three series? It's it's really all in the mind. Mathematically, there's not that much difference between you know. Essentially, yes, one game is a crapshoot, of course, yeah, to some large degree. But guess what? So is best of three. Bad teams yeah. win win best of three series all the time against good teams in the regular season. So, uh, and by the way, I said when I say bad teams, I mean in the major leagues. We don't have any bad teams in the West Coast League, Joel. That's correct. Um, but um, so I think. What you have, the one thing that will happen, there will be a perception that a single game in that second round and in the or in the third round, there will be a perception that it's not fair, especially when a team with a, with an inferior record beats a team with a superior record. Um, but and that is something I think a lot of people in our league on the team side sort of had to push past that 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 fear that you're going to wind up with with some level of unfairness. And, of course, again, you're always going to have that. 
um, whether it's one game or best of three or best of seven. It doesn't really matter. If you played best of 43, yeah, the best team is almost always going to win that best of 43 series, right? But when you get down into the best of three, which is the most we would ever do probably is a best of three series, it's there's a lot of luck involved anyway, even if the Knights somehow seem to get the most luck every year. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Corvallis, five championships in a row. And my first thought when I saw this new format, Rob, was the, you know, this, this makes things a little bit trickier for them in a lot of ways, which obviously every league wants mm-hmm. to have parity. As much as you love a dynasty, I think there's the thought of, you know, you want other teams to be able to have a chance to shine. And my first thought, though, before all that was, Okay, with this new format, had that been used last year, the Yakima Valley Pippins would have won the West Coast League Championship Series. And they would have been a very deserving team. They were fantastic last year. But I guess the difference between the two would have, and the difference in the situation was, had this format been used last year, Corvallis would have hosted that that winner-take-all championship game because they had the better overall record. So uh, I'm going to be interested to see how that plays this year because... We very well could have the best team still end up winning, whether that's Corvallis, whether that's Yakima Valley, whether it's someone else. I think for me that's fascinating because you could still have that happen, but you also might have another team who's not that far behind because I think for you and I, our first three years in this league, pretty much every year the teams who've made the West Coast League Championship Series have deserved to be there. That 2019 series was fantastic. Victoria had a historic season that year. I think 2018 really was the only surprise with Kelowna pulling off an upset in, in the division series that year. Right. Other than that, pretty much every season, the teams who are supposed to be there are going to be there. And in a way, I don't think that's going to change with this format. I mean, and if it does, maybe it's because a team like you talked about got hot at the right time late in the season. And it kind of rewards them in a lot of ways. I think that's right. One thing that anytime you add a series to a playoff format, you're introducing uncertain, extra uncertainty. It's just less than most people would probably guess, right? And if you run the math, you can actually, you'll actually realize that, that you really can't change the odds that much by adding a game or even a series. Um, generally speaking, the best teams are still going to get to the championship game. And generally speaking, the best team will usually win the championship game. But but um, but it does make it tougher. I mean, I, I I have not run the odds for this specifically, but if you if you take the teams last year and put them in this current format, would you assume that the Knights would would they be your favorite? Yeah, they would be your favorite. They had the best record. They had the best run differential over the course of the season. Um, but their odds of winning probably go down of being champions probably go down from something like thirty five or forty percent down to thirty or thirty. 35, you know, I'm just making these numbers up, but the differences aren't nearly as much as people think, which is, again, why I always have argued for experimentation. To me, whatever you lose in, uh, I don't know, fairness or whatever, whatever you want to call that metric or certainty, you gain an excitement. And you gain, an, and, and I, I agree with you that my personal opinion <clears throat> And um, this is not league policy. <laughs> never has been, never will be. Um, you can't run a league this way. But my personal opinion is that um, you're probably you probably want to see some different champions every so often, whatever league you're talking about. I don't care what league. Um, the Knights have built this 
incredible uh, streak. And um, they probably have been the best or nearly the best team every year they won a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, and they deserve an immense amount of credit for that. Um, I, I do think that, that um, you know, historically there has been a perception, not in our league necessarily, but in professional baseball, that it's not great for a league when the same team wins every year. Um, maybe it's great for our league. I mean, the Knights have, have won a couple of um, awards in a row as the number one summer collegiate team in in the whole all all of summer collegiate baseball um and that brings a great deal of credit to our league i don't know if they win those awards if they don't win the championships they probably don't right um so i have a just an immense amount of admiration for not only what they've done but how they've done it and nobody will be shocked if they win another championship but it's gotten harder i think with this new format um, not to mention the fact that that um, and I don't uh, I don't keep close tabs on these things uh, ratings of players and that sort of thing but um, the talent of the talent level some of our teams this season is going to be pretty astounding um, the Knights of course they always have a tremendous amount of talent but but uh, I've noticed some pretty fantastic players joining other teams in our league too so so I think that um, that uh, while we can certainly predict with some confidence the Knights will be excellent again this season, they won't be the only ones. No, I agree with that. And I think the fear that maybe some fans, when they see an expanded playoffs, despite it being an expanded league, I, I think we kind of see this discussed sometimes with fear with Major League Baseball. Sometimes you see this with the NHL, I think in the NBA, that the fear is that it devalues the regular season in a lot of ways. I think if this was a, a playoff format where we had three rounds and all three rounds were best of three, maybe it would devalue the regular season a little bit because a few more teams would get in. But for me, because of the fact that with your two single elimination games and with the home team of those games being awarded to the team with the better overall record, it, I think it makes the regular season even more important because, yes, more teams are going to make the mix, but how many home games do you want to host in the playoffs if you're going to go on a deep run? Uh, would you agree with me there? I, I would. The other factor, too, when we talk about the regular season, and this is one thing that argues for having first and second half qualifiers, is there's so much roster turnover in our league that, and this isn't true of every team, but it's true of many teams, I think. That roster that you see in mid-August is not all that similar to the roster that you saw in early June, right? Um, so there's in our league in particular, maybe it's collegiate summer baseball in particular, you've got that extra argument for having first and second half winners in the old days when it was first invented in the minor leagues, the rationale was, it was all about attendance. We don't, we want, we don't want our team, our fans to, to give up in July because we didn't have a good first half. So let's introduce this first half, second half plan. And that way on, you know, whatever that halfway point is. All of a sudden, the fans of every team now have hope again for, for the playoffs. I think it was called the Shaughnessy Plan originally. And, you know, we do the same thing. Today, most minor leagues do the same thing, most collegiate summer leagues, I think. But we've got an extra rationale, which is that a lot of teams have basically this roster, especially this pitching staff in the first half of the season. And then a lot of those guys go, 
go away. And you got another pitching staff in the second half. And there's definitely something something to be said for rewarding the team that has the best roster or the best performance in the second half. In the last two years, the first half, second half playoff format hasn't really been needed because both years, all four first half division winners, 2019, 2021, all four of them went on to win the second half. So we went to that first tiebreaker, the next best right. overall record. Of course, the South Division was chaos last year. It was fun to watch from afar. I'm sure it wasn't fun for those teams trying to figure out who was going to make the playoffs. I enjoyed that, you know, from afar watching that race. But would you, despite it not really being needed, so to speak, the last two years, do you think just from your small sample size of your experience as commissioner uh, in which this format had already been in place, do you enjoy the first half, second half format for picking your division winners? I do. I, I think it's just a, and it was, you're right, last I don't think most people really think too much about, they don't put a lot of stock in who winds up winning the divisions. They, they, what they put stock in is who is in the running at the end of the first half and then at the end of the second half. That's where the excitement lies. I, I, like you, I, I mean, I was obsessed. I guess I had to be obsessed. It was part of the job. But <laughs> uh, watch, watching on a, every night that last week of, of the season, there were, what was it, at least three games that, that had a huge um, impact on who was going to wind up in the playoffs, and I believe went to the last the last night, didn't it? it, it did. um, I mean, it was it was nuts. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like it at any level. Um, you know, it reminded me of and this is before my time, but the nineteen sixty seven American League pennant race in the last weekend of the season, heading into the last weekend of the season. I believe there were four teams who were still in the hunt for one playoff spot, and of course, the Red Sox wound up wound up winning um but yeah it, it was it was nuts i don't think we'll ever see anything like that again i think it was tough for the teams that were involved but i know they were also having a blast especially because some of them hadn't had good first halves yeah. right bend in particular you know to be in that position um i i don't remember if it was, the, it was the last game of the season or the next their next to last but they were still fighting for a playoff spot and i think that was um i don't one thing I don't really know, you would probably have a better sense of this than I would. I don't know how many fans really pay enough attention to the standings to get obsessed with that sort of game in, game out drama. I know in the league we all did. And, you know, I was furiously clicking back and forth between the, the games on the internet, uh, watching the streaming and and watching the box scores and the play-by-plays. Um, but I, I think for the fans who do care, that sort of thing, that, for me, that's always been my favorite. I would say it's my favorite thing about baseball. It's not what I enjoy the most because it doesn't happen very often. If that's the only thing you, that you really enjoy that much, then you're going to be waiting for a long time for it to happen. But I get more excited about a great playoff chase toward the end of the season than I do about anything else, whether it's the West Coast League or, or you know, the, the American League East. It should be even more exciting this year, as we mentioned, though, with the with the expanded playoffs as well. Uh, Rob, the last question I kind of wanted to ask you about as we were talking about this playoff structure, and we've got two divisions for this season. We had two divisions last year. We've got the North and the South, and you've got eight teams in each division. Um, why two divisions? Why not maybe three? Why not four? 
That is an excellent question, and I might be able to answer if I studied my notes <laughs> from the meetings for a while, or I might not. Um, the one thing that we that I do remember is that while we don't have four divisions, I believe that if you actually delve into the the schedule, there there is some geographic arranging of the schedules to to lessen the travel a little bit okay. or just to make things a little more convenient so the trips aren't quite as long. Not that there aren't some long trips, there are, but you want to have as few of those as possible, right? There was a rationale for not splitting into four divisions uh, officially uh, for the standings. Um, I think that, yeah, I wish I had a better answer. I think it had to do with if you do four divisions and you do first half, second half, then you don't get that sort of wild card that we wound up with right with the teams with the best records um theoretically if you if you 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 could wind up i think if you have four divisions and first half second half you could have playoff teams with with you could have play, teams that don't make the playoffs with records better than than teams that do make the playoffs right i, I basically that's what happened in 1981 in the major leagues when you had the strike and i believe the cincinnati reds wound up with the best record in the National League and did not make the playoffs. Um, and I don't remember if that was our rationale, but I think it's it's probably better if your number one team is in the playoffs somehow, right? Yeah. No, I think I would agree with that. Well, Rob, thank you a ton. I know you've got to run here too. I really appreciate you sharing some time here to talk about this. Uh, I think you're like me. I, I really can't wait for the start of the season. I can't wait to see how this unfolds. Thanks for joining us. Well, Joel, it's been a pleasure, and thank you for – Reminding me how our playoffs work this season, because I'd forgotten, obviously. <laughs> well, we'll both do our homework, and we'll be ready before open day. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. Have a good one. A special thanks to West Coast League Commissioner Rob Nyer for joining us here on the Apple Sox podcast. And yes, fans, if you are curious at all about the changes to the West Coast League playoff procedure, you can go visit westcoastleague.com, go under the About tab, at the top of the page and then click on playoff procedures but we talked about it a little bit earlier on I'll, I'll delve into it one last time before we wrap up the podcast but the way it works is a three-game west coast league division series you're still going to have your first half and second half playoff winners uh, first half record the first half division winner goes to the team with the best record second half team who had the best record in the final 27 games of the season now if the Winner of the first 27 games for your division also wins the second half. We go to that familiar format that Rob and I talked about where the next best overall record gets the second playoff, the second uh, second half playoff champion spot, and they'll get the number two seed in the division. And then, of course, there are further tiebreakers after that if there are multiple teams tied. As we saw last year, he and I were talking about that race in the South Division it was phenomenal. You had the Ridgefield Raptors, Portland Pickles, and Ben Elks all tied for second place as they all finished 26 and 22. Ridgefield got the tiebreaker and went on to the playoffs, and Portland and Ben were left on the outside looking in, but uh, you're probably going to have more tiebreakers coming to play this year. The three and four spots for the division go to the next best overall records, so they don't really have a chance in the overall running for the first half and second half. Uh, division championship spot but they still have a chance for the postseason they are automatically the three and four seeds based on their record Uh, if you're wondering between the first half and second half teams who gets the one and two spots uh, if one team wins the first half let's say the Apple Sox win the first half and let's say Victoria wins the second half the team with a better overall record will get the number one spot 
and then we'll have that division play after that. One will take on four, two against three. But as Rob said, you know, he, the commissioner does have the right to technically change the matchups based on geography. So let's say maybe the Edmonton uh, Riverhawks make the playoffs. And as we mentioned, teams are going to drive and then fly to Edmonton. So that might make things a little bit tough if the Apple Sox are playing them in the division series. So maybe Edmonton would take on, let's say, Victoria. Say they make the playoffs and the Apple Sox would take on another, another team in the North Division. That is something that could come up this summer, so be aware that that could be a change we see uh, along the way. But regardless, the one versus four, two versus three, those are two separate three-game series. The winner of those games will meet in a singular division championship game. Same thing goes on on the South Division, one versus four, two versus three, both a three-game series. Then you have a singular division championship game, and then the winners of both division championships will meet in a singular league championship game. I imagine there's going to be a lot of questions throughout the summer since this will be a, the first year of this format. I think it has its pros and its cons to it, and I'm going to go in depth with my opinion a little bit later on a later podcast as we're going to be joined by AppleSonic scorekeeper Terry Ayton, who he'll have an opinion about it as well. And we'll kind of look at some of the pros and cons of this as the point of this podcast here was to simply detail these changes for you. And the next one that we're going to do that's kind of long form like this, we're going to go in depth on our opinions of it. Look at the strengths and the weaknesses and maybe look at some proposals for potential future playoff options that we have in mind. I think uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least. Uh, half the teams are going to make the playoffs now. Every team is going to be guaranteed at least one home playoff game, which, uh, as I'll say to Terry, I don't think this playoff format would have been adopted by the owners had every team not been guaranteed at least one playoff, home playoff game. But we'll have to see, and we'll see how it goes over the course of a full season. So, again, if you want to look at the playoff procedures for yourself and do what I did and spend two to three days just kind of reading over it to clarify everything, you can go to westcoastleague.com. At the top of the page, there's an About column. You go under that and click on Playoff Procedures. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, to this edition of the Apple Sox Podcast.